So if you have your Bibles, please join me in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 23. See, we got some visitors with us this morning. Good to have you. I think I remember you two. I think I do. <laughs> yeah, we were right here, right? Right live, yeah. Romans chapter 3, we're going to continue our Easter series. Uh, last week we looked at the fact that the world lives one way and we live another. And uh, we're going to look at a little more of that today. And the next week we're going to... Uh, Romans is really one of the greatest writings, I think, in the New Testament because it lays out pretty much everything. Uh, there's doctrinal emphasis, there's emphasis on the nation of Israel, there's also practical, uh, practical theology, if you will, that goes from uh, chapter 12 on through the end of the epistle. So <clears throat> looking at the background here just briefly, it was written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote it on his third missionary journey, probably in 57 A.D., not 587 A.D. He was, he was long gone by then. Um, the audience was Gentile Christians living in Rome. There was also the issue of Jews that were there, and it was also a lot of the New Testament is, is written trying to bring Jew and Gentile together under the umbrella of Christ, and it was a, a big challenge. Matter of fact, a lot of Galatians, uh, there's, a, there's numerous epistles in the New Testament that try to bring these two elements together. Uh, the purpose, relationship of the Old Testament and the New Testament in relation to the gospel message. So, as I stated earlier, the book of Romans is by far one of the greatest theological books, and Paul goes into great detail and he, he does this also in Galatians, but more so here of, of how you get to a place where you are made right with God. How does that take place? And uh, we're going to look at what he says here about the Old Testament law and then what we need to have a right standing with God. And so let's look at, first of all, Paul says, basically, we need God's righteousness. He starts with the law. But now the righteousness of God has been made manifest apart from the law. Now, when we hear that word law, we are talking here about nomos, which is the uh, Hebrew for the law of Moses. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. So Paul here is mentioning a righteousness of God that is absolutely necessary in order to have a right standing with him. And he uses but now, which he uses 16 times. And when the Apostle Paul says, but now, in his writings, he is trying to emphasize something that is extremely important. It's not like, well, but now. Uh, in the Greek, it's emphatic, but now. So it carries a much harder force. The righteousness here that Paul mentions is dikainosiene in the Greek, which means doing what God requires. So when we think about the Jewish people for a moment, 
they had the law, and the law said, okay, there were 713 laws in the, in the Pentateuch, the Torah, whichever version you like to call it. Uh, they had all of these laws and rules and regulations. Normally, it was either moral, it was a moral law, sacrificial law, or a ceremonial law. They fell into three camps. And so the Apostle Paul here is saying that you need this dekinocene to do what God requires does not come by the Old Testament law. I know that sounds foreign to us, like, whoa, wait a minute. Well, Paul goes on to say, does that mean that the law uh, is bad? And I think it's in Romans chapter 6. Paul says, no, it's not. The law is good. It was written by God. He's a holy God. He's righteous. He is, he is just. All of these things. But the problem is that the law came, and if you read Galatians, the law came 430 years after the promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. So what happened is in Genesis chapter 12, when God told Abraham, and if you skim ahead in the next chapter, you'll see what shall we say then, uh, what shall we say was gained by Abraham, the forefather according to the flesh. And then he goes on to this long argument about Abraham being justified by belief and faith. So when you're a Jewish person reading this, the natural knee-jerk reaction, and maybe some out here, the natural knee-jerk reaction would be, whoa, 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 whoa. The law is holy, therefore we have to uphold it. And the Apostle Paul, Hebrew of Hebrews, who knew the law better than anybody that I know of in the New Testament, says, wait a minute, God's dekinocene, or doing what God requires, does not come by doing the law. And a lot of people, a lot of Christians get caught up on this. Uh, they, they say, well, the Ten Commandments, and yes, the, the Ten Commandments were holy, they were given to Moses, and those can be broken down into two, two categories, our relationship to God and our relationship to others. Jesus was also asked this question, well, which is the greatest? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is likened unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus then summarized the entire Ten Commandments. But it's not, this, this is where people get off track. The Ten Commandments are not a covenant. The Ten Commandments are actually everything from Exodus chapter 19 on. All of those laws are part of that covenant. At the end of that covenant, Moses does something extremely uh, interesting. He takes and he cuts the sacrifice. He sprinkles the blood on the altar and then sprinkles the blood on the people. Well, that's exactly what Jesus did. He sprinkled his blood on the altar. And when we accept Christ, his blood covers our sins. So dekinocene is apart from the law. You can't get to heaven based on, I love my mom, I love my dad. You know, brothers and sisters, there's a lot of unbelievers that love their mothers and fathers. There's a lot of unbelievers that do good. And actually, the series that we're doing in Sunday School, Doing Good by Chip Ingram, is excellent. And he points out 
that that's a byproduct of not a of salvation, not earning your salvation. There's a big difference. So he says here, but now the righteousness of God, doing what God requires, has been made manifest, phanero, in the Greek means to reveal or made known, and that was made known by Jesus Christ. The reference here has to be to Jesus, apart from the law. So he says, but now, and I want to show you this because I think it's important. Romans 3.19 and 20, which is just before our verse. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, the Jews, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. Notice, for by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Justified means in a right relationship with God. Some people say it's just as if I never sinned. Well, that's it can be that, but more importantly, it's a legal term, meaning that you have been totally acquitted of all charges. It's done. You don't get that by do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that, do this, do that. That is not how you get in a right relationship with God. You get in a right relationship with God apart from that. All the law did... All the law did, the, those, we, Moses, I like Charlton Heston, plays Moses. Let my people go. I, I just love it. But he would hold up those commandments, and it showed the nation of Israel what sin was. Paul says in Galatians that uh, the law was put in place to lead us to saving faith in Christ. So Paul is speaking directly to Jews here who are clinging to that law saying that you have to have the law in order to be saved. And Paul goes, no, that's not it. And there's a lot of people in this world that believe that if you do good things, you're going to go to heaven. And there's a lot of unsaved people that do good things. But they'll miss the kingdom of God. And they'll miss the kingdom of God because they misunderstand Christ and his mission and his message. So he says here, but the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, although the law and the prophets, and I kind of went ahead of this, the law was given, this is John uh, 1.17, the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Christ. So on one end, God gave the nation of Israel, and by the way, they had to redo it because Moses got upset and the first tablets got broke, and then they had Deuteronomy, which is, in the Hebrew second law, he had to make new ones and give it. And so the nation of Israel, when you look at their, their spiritual walk, you see that? I know, you know, it's true, right? Up and down, we're going to praise you here. And then, well, wait a minute, we're going to follow this God. So God said, wait a minute. And by, by the way, God didn't. God didn't look back over his creation and history and he goes, oh no, they're going to mess up and I got to fix this. No, God already, Ephesians said, before the foundations of the world, I chose you. Uh, he knew way back at the beginning that man was going to fall and he had to have something in place to take care of that. The Old Testament points to Jesus. The Old Testament points to Jesus. 
so here what I want you to simply see is that you're not made right with God by obeying the law. Am I telling you not to obey the law? Absolutely not. What I'm saying is you cannot get salvation by the law. If you could get salvation by the law, the question would naturally be, then why did Christ come? And by the way, you can only be saved as many times as Christ died. Christ died once, you can only be saved once. Paul says in Galatians, if, if you think that Christ can, if you think you can lose your salvation, you have to put Christ back up on the cross and crucify him again. The question is, when you get saved, is it real salvation? That's the issue. So I've seen people beat themselves up. They, one lady in my first little church, every Sunday that woman came forward and said, I want to receive Christ into my heart. And I'll tell you why she did that. It was a product of, I better be careful here. It was a, because I get mad about it. It was a product of poor preaching. The preaching in that church was that you can lose your salvation. So here's this young 34-year-old pastor coming in and telling them that it is by grace you are saved. And they couldn't understand why people were coming forward getting saved. Because they had been taught wrong theology the whole time. That if you're saved, but if you do this, you're not saved. You're, you're lost. And I remember that morning, way in the back, these two twins came forward. They were sobbing. They said, we never heard this before. Of course they didn't. Because the church that I was serving in was legalistic. And so I'm going to tell you this morning that this is about faith in Christ. Jeremiah, which we'll get into next Sunday, talks about the law being written on our hearts. We'll get into that next week. Uh, bear witness. Uh, Martuo means that these prophets, by the way, Peter says that the, the prophets wrote the Old Testament not by their own interpretation, but as they were carried along by the Spirit of God. That's in Peter. So if it's not by law, Pastor Mike, and you're telling me something new, if it's not by law, then how do I get saved? Well, you get saved by faith. Right there is the key. Now, am I telling you, because I've had this happen to me in my ministry, I loved it when you said that you don't need to do good works. I didn't say that. One lady, one Sunday morning in my first full-time church, I just loved it when you said, I don't have to do anything once I'm saved. Not what I said. Were you listening to the same sermon that I was preaching? No. No. Now, in verse 21, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Pistes, which is complete confidence. Complete confidence in what? Complete confidence is uh, faith. Pistes is complete confidence in Jesus Christ. Kenneth Boa and William Grudenire in their commentaries write this. Contrary to the sanctimonious attempts of the Jews and the bungled religious attempts of the Gentiles, 
The only way to gain this righteousness is by faith in Jesus Christ. I love this line. Forget everything else. Faith is the key to standing on righteous ground before God. The Jews, I made a note here to talk to you all about some of the stuff that you do. So, and that we probably all do at some point. So the Jews are over here saying, wait a minute. We are the chosen ones of God. We have the law, we have Moses, we have the prophets. And actually, in the Jewish mindset, the only reason Gentiles were created, that's us, the only reason that we were created was to keep the fires of hell burning. Good luck trying to bring these two under the umbrella of Christ, right? And then, of course, you had the Gentiles over here who had all kinds of pagan ideas. And Paul's trying to bring them together. And the Jews were saying, actually, uh, Paul addressed this in Galatians. He says, you can't say, uh, the Jews were saying, well, okay, okay. To be a good Christian, you have to trust in Christ. But then you have to come under the law of Moses and be circumcised and do all that stuff. Paul goes, wait a minute. This is a faith issue. Now, when the Holy Spirit indwells you, you begin to change. Your mindset changes, your attitudes change, the way you live your life changes. But it's, it's, it's not somehow, I'm going to clean myself up. And I've heard this too. I think it was in a church in Youngstown that I was pastoring. Lady said to me, I'll come to church when I get myself cleaned up. And I'm like, you come to saving faith and Jesus cleans you up. If you're waiting to come to church and get involved in church, listen, we're all sinners saved by grace. But the issue here is, that you cannot get a right standing with God apart from faith. It is impossible. You can make good efforts. Uh, one of my pastors once said, I wouldn't trust my best five seconds to get into the kingdom of God without Christ. And so Christ is central. Let me give you some examples of what Christ did for us. For our sake... God made Christ to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And this word righteousness is the same one that we're looking at right now, the dikinocene, which is doing what God requires. The only way that we can be in a right relationship with God, the only way, and I cannot emphasize this enough. The only way that you get in a right relationship with God is because of what Jesus did on the cross. And when you trust in that, you are completely righteous in God's sight. And what happens is there is this imputed righteousness that comes inside of us that says, Christ already paid for my sin, and now he imputes his righteousness onto me. Think about this for a minute. Jesus Christ who was at the beginning when God was creating the world, this Jesus who by him and for him was all things created. Here you have Jesus Christ who had never sinned in his life. And he goes to the cross. 
and on that cross literally becomes sin. What was Jesus doing at that moment? Jesus Christ was taking on my sin and your sin. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For the first time in all of eternity, Jesus is now separated from the Father. That, that is how you get right with God. It is not about being a Southern Baptist. It is not about being a Methodist. It is not helping enough old ladies across the street. I better watch it because I'm kind of an old man now. But um, helping little old ladies across the street. It is not about any of that. Listen, what's going to matter for you? What's going to matter for you is was there ever a day in your life when you really trusted Jesus Christ? And sadly, there's some people that think that they're on the road to heaven when in actuality they've never trusted in Jesus Christ. That's it right there. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. 1 Peter 2.24, he bore our sins. 1 Timothy 2.6, who gave himself as a ransom. Uh, Romans 5.8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us. And the question is, okay, who is this for? Well, for all who believe. Right? When I was in the army, it used to be Lottie Dottie and everybody. Anybody can be saved. Black, white, Jew, non-Jew, barbarian, Greek, free, slave, whatever. It's for everybody. All level is ground or is level is all ground is level at the foot of the cross. Pistuo means complete trust. And that trust is in Jesus Christ. Now, the reason... The reason that we need God's righteousness is given to us because we are sinful. That is something that is missing from pulpits today. 17 ways you can be better at your finances. These are sermons, by the way. Fourteen times that you should pray. Uh, some of that's just, it doesn't help people. I mean, it gives people a false, uh, and uh, I'm okay, you're okay type sermons. That there's never any dealing with, I still don't know how you can proclaim the gospel without the mention of sin. Because that's why Jesus died. He died because of sin. And therefore that needs to be dealt with. You can't do that in some churches. You can't use the word sin, but Paul uses it. Now notice. For there is no distinction. And by the way, I want to hit this, I want to hit this again. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go therefore into all the world and proclaim the gospel. That's us. We do that here in Tolono, Sidoris, wherever we go. We proclaim the gospel message 
because there is no distinction with God. Just because you're affluent means nothing. Just because you're socially uh, down on the ladder means nothing. And by the way, those who are impoverished usually understand the gospel better than those who are rich. It's hard for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God, Jesus said. Why is that? Because they don't need help. They've got their wealth and their money. I've seen people lose their wealth overnight. And I've seen some really good Christian people who are millionaires. And then I've seen millionaires that are not good at all. So the Jews would look down on the Gentiles. And by the way, let me just say this. Sometimes we look down on people too, don't we? That person can never be saved. That person's too far gone to be saved. Let me just say this this morning. There is nobody outside the grips of God's grace. And I mean, I'm talking about the vilest person. Who's, who's writing Romans right now? Paul used to be called Saul. Do you know what Saul was doing before he met Jesus Christ? He was killing Christians. There's no, and, and God reached down and saved Paul and thank God used him in mighty ways in the New Testament. <clears throat> There's nobody. It's, and here's, here's the central issue. Look at verse 23. <clears throat> For all have sinned. Pas in the Greek it literally means every person is a sinner. Where did we get this? <clears throat> well, it goes back a ways. <laughs> Matter of fact, it goes all the way back to Genesis. Remember when Satan goes, Eve, surely God didn't mean Eve took the apple, bit it. Adam took it, bit it. And guess what happened at that point? All of humanity moving forward was guilty. Let me say this. Everybody in this room, including me, is guilty like Adam and Eve. And since then, we've had all of this problems. You remember Ep Epicurus last week when I talked about him, 300 years before Christ. How do you deal with evil? Well, evil was around since Genesis chapter 3. It's, play, it's, it's an innate desire to sin. You see this early in life. I remember my older daughter, not the one pictured here. Our older daughter, when we were in Hawaii... She was like that big. And she would go around and we would tell her, no, you can't do that. And she would just look at us and go. <laughs> One day I told her, no, I don't know, 
I don't know how old she was. How old was she? Three? Two? Something like that. She would walk around with her pacifier in her mouth and she'd go, no, no, no. <laughs> you see it at an early age and kids tell them to do something, they're not going to do it. Where does that come from? It's because we have the sin nature in us and Jesus has to get rid of that sin nature by going to the cross and paying for our sins. So that when we trust in him, we get his righteousness and therefore we're saved. The reason we need God's righteousness is because we are sinful. A little more support here. Romans 5.12 Wherefore, as by one sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Paul saying that first sin tainted all of humanity for all ages, for all times. God tells Abraham, get out of your country to the land that I will show you, and you will be in a right standing with me. Then 430 years later, the law comes along. It was added to keep the nation of Israel in check until faith should come and be revealed in Jesus Christ. So, we can say this this morning. For those of us that have truly trusted in Christ, we are saved sinners. We're saved. But we're still sinners. When you go out this week, sometime during the week, you're, you're going to sin. If you don't, please call me. I want to know how you're doing this. Uh, but you're saved. That's the difference. You're saved. The blood of Christ covers you. Positionally, you're right and right standing with God. But then Paul goes on to say, that which I don't want to do, that's what I do. I don't want to do it, but I do it. And I agree with the law then that the law points out that that sin. And so I agree with the law and why Paul says I trust even more in Christ. Because none of us are perfect. I am not a perfect pastor. I am not a perfect person. But I can tell you what I am. I'm a saved person who knows Jesus. And those of you that are saved, you're not perfect. Now, if you go out here today and said, I can't believe you said I wasn't perfect, I'd say, yeah, you're right, you're not. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, it's good to say, yeah, I loved it when you said. <clears throat> the word sinned, harmartano. Harmartano means to engage in wrongdoing. So that's a fact. We are all guilty of sin. We are sinners, guilty as charged. Here's the consequence. The consequence is found in the next phrase. Not only have all sinned, but they have fallen short of the glory of God. Hustero, fall short. That means fail to measure up or to attain something. Some translations point it where it's a, it's a bow and arrow 
where you have the target out there and the goal is to hit that bullseye and you take the arrow and you let it go and it falls short. It misses the target of perfection. Well, what do we measure up against? The doxia of God or the splendor or radiance. Listen, the only way that you're going to get into heaven is not on your own merit. It's on what Jesus did on the cross. That is the only way that you get to heaven. The consequence of being outside of Christ is eternal separation from God for all eternity. I have seen people who are good people. They just don't understand that Jesus went to the cross to pay for their sins in full and the reason we need that is because we have to have the righteousness of God to see him. I'm going to show you a video. This is, actually, this is an amazing video. Uh, it really does summarize what I've just preached 30 minutes. It is an excellent video, and I, and I hope you... I hope you understand what the video is saying. So uh, here we go.